Catherine Hogel has spent the last seven years in a psychiatric hospital in hopes treatment will make her competent to stand trial for the abduction and assumed murders of her children, Jacob and Sarah. everybody and welcome to the true crime squad i'm christy brower here with my sister co-host and partner in crime katie weaver hey katie hello how's it going oh it's going sad weekend at my house my youngest daughter uh, learned friday night that one of her good friends had been killed in a motorcycle accident so so sad we've had some real sad teenagers around here uh this weekend and yeah it's a terrible thing so Mm -hmm. yeah uh hmm. we did take a little time uh actually just an attempt to uh kind of cheer her up and get her to think of something else Mm -hmm. we went to jackson hole yesterday and had a really nice drive man it's gorgeous up in there Mm -hmm. we ate at the mary piglets which is uh the last place that gabby petito was seen alive and yes, it is. Ryan had an altercation with the a waiter, a waitress there. Every time I go there now, that's all I'm going to be able to think about. But right, because we've actually been going there our entire lives. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we it was a nice, uh, nice day. But yeah, it's been it's been kind of a tough weekend around here, for sure. Yeah, that is crummy. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, on the other hand, spent my weekend in Jackpot, Nevada. So <laughs> right, tearing we it had- up. We uh, yeah no, I came home with twelve <laughs> bucks. Let me just say that yeah spent spent the weekend uh, really just having some fun with Rhonda and Mike and we yeah brought our dogs and stayed in a pet friendly hotel and did some gambling and one night we sat around and played Uno for a while in our hotel which is which just nice. nice to get away so we had a good time well good yeah I'm glad to hear it. I'm sure your dogs were happy to get to come this time and not just get left home. Yes, they were. They're always very offended when we leave them with our pet sitter um because they are really road trip dogs. They have been road tripping their you know as long as yeah. Z her whole life and mm-hmm. Nini as long as we've had her. So they're always like, "Dude, we know what to do. Can't we just come with you?" Right. Just pack me a bag. Yeah. Yeah. So we did. We had a great time. It was really nice. Good. Very but good. it's nice to get home too, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the things I like about travel is coming home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Well, this is our Monday episode, and we do have some pretty interesting stuff to share with you. So let's get started with Katie's got a little bit of weird crime time for us. When choosing to fake yourself uh, for a career and fake uh, being something you're not, Mm. I think most people would not fake being a mortician. Oh, whoa. That, uh, yeah. But this guy did. He did? This is Shantae Harden, and he was just sentenced last Friday of... Multiple felonies, including engaging in corrupt activity and gross abuse of a corpse. Oh, good Lord. Mm-hmm. 
it's not good. Uh, Shante, uh, it, and it wasn't just that. I mean, he had 31 counts uh, oh, related wow. to operating as an unlicensed funeral director. <gasps> what? What? Why would you do that? Like, what? Uh, what is the motivation here? Well, you know, he says that he was trying to help out families who really couldn't afford funerary care. Uh, that seems sketchy. They, he also did a lot of sketchy financial things, uh, including intimidating some people, uh, renting a car in someone's name and not paying for it, and a bunch of stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's not as altruistic as he would want it to sound. I'm sure not. However, he did really want to look like, uh, definitely look like the good guy, you know? Mm-hmm. That he was just trying to help people who needed help. But, uh, you know. You this can't operate a funeral business without a proper license. You can't. Uh, no. Or the yeah. actual no. Like, what? Was he embalming people? Well, here's what the article I read said. I'll give you one paragraph. I'm going to include this as a link. This is WTOL 11. They said over three weeks of testimony, more than 50 witnesses said Harden deceived them into believing he was a funeral director who could offer affordable funerals for loved ones. Instead, they said that cremated remains were not returned, some bodies were not cremated, and death certificates were not produced in a timely manner. In one case, a a witness claimed that Harden, a Baptist preacher, told him that he had converted to Islam. I don't know what that means, but at any ra- rate, uh, yeah, he... What does that have to do with anything? I don't really know. But anyway, uh, yeah, so he was the preacher, the good guy, offering funeral services in multiple counties uh, that he wasn't licensed to do so. And again, uh, mistreated uh, the job, you know, since he actually didn't know what the hell he was doing. And finally, uh, you know, has been made to stop and was found guilty on quite a few of those charges he was uh, charged with, and they will be doing some time in prison. Don't fake being a funeral director, bro. Like, what? Why would you do that? Of all things mm-hmm. to try to get away with, I mean, is it his dream to be a funeral director, but he could <sighs> never afford the college? I don't know. I don't, I don't even know, if, you know. I don't understand any of it. Honestly, I don't. Yikes. I don't know why that would be the thing you would pretend to be. I Yeah. Me, me you just either. pretend to be a doctor or a pilot like everyone else? No, right? <laughs> don't do that yes. either. Don't no, do. definitely don't do that. This either. is like a really messed up episode of Catch Me If You Can, you know? It is, yeah. <laughs> so so there you have it. That That's what happened. They're, they're calling it the phony funeral home director case in the news. Yuck. Okay. Yikes. Hard yuck. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, (laughs) I'm going to kick the mic back over to you for our main case. Okay. All right. So for our main case today, this is a listener suggestion. So thank you. We always appreciate those very much. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Catherine Hogel. And you may know this story. Um, This happened back in 2014 originally. But this is about the disappearance of her two young children. Um, 
Jacob was two and Sarah was three. Mm-hmm. They have been missing since 2014. And they, it's September of 2014. They have never been seen again and no one knows what's happened to them. No. So Catherine Hogel had struggled with mental health issues as a teenager and then into adulthood. She had spent some time in a psychiatric, in a psychiatric facility several times. Um, so she and her husband, Troy had three children, a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. And they were no longer together in a relationship, but Troy did not trust Catherine to be along with the children because of her mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And so they were living in the same house so that she could have time with the kids. But, you know, he was, he thought what he had set up was like supervision all the time. Right. Yeah. So on the day that these children went missing, uh, Catherine and Troy had the kids at the park and then they went to Catherine's parents' house while Troy went to work. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be a supervised situation where Catherine was never alone with the kids. Mm-hmm. Catherine was also not supposed to be driving because of her issues. She was at that time diagnosed with uh, schizoaffective disorder. Now it looks like it's changed to paranoid schizophrenia. But definitely she was not stable. And so it wasn't a good idea for her to be alone with the kids or driving or anything like that. Yeah. But on that day, everybody that should have been paying attention wasn't. They kind of Mm. slipped up a lot. So Catherine told her dad that she wanted to take Jacob who is at the time two mm-hmm. out for pizza. Just him, not the other two kids, just him mm-hmm. alone. Um, you know, you look back on it now and you go, how many two-year-olds do you know that are going out for pizza? With yeah. Them? You know, little kid, right? Mm-hmm. So she's gone for three hours. She's, mm. When she gets back, Jacob, not with her, no pizza. Mm-hmm. And she says, that she dropped Jacob off at a friend's house for a sleepover as two-year-olds are known to do. Mm -hmm. No, All of it has red flags written all over it. Right. And unfortunately no one has let Troy know that this stuff is going on. Mm -hmm. Also Catherine's parents don't immediately see it as a red flag when she comes home without Jacob. Yikes. Which, you know, there's been a lot said that they were having a really hard time coming to terms with her illness and mm-hmm. she seemed lucid. And so they thought, you know, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to blame them, but there are a lot of things that fell through the cracks in this yeah. situation. So then she decides that she wants to go home and take Sarah with her. And there are several, there are some different accounts of how the evening went Um, Some accounts say that her dad was at the house and he left an hour before Troy came home um, because he had to go to work. Some accounts say that she was home alone with uh, the kids. But what we know is Troy came home about 1 a.m. from his job. He looked in Jacob's bedroom and Jacob was not in his bed. Mm -hmm. 
he assumed that that meant Jacob went to his older brother's room because he did that a lot. Mm-hmm. So he didn't check. Oh boy. And he didn't check to see if Sarah was okay. Mm-hmm. And he also didn't check to see if Catherine was at home. So he goes to bed. Mm-hmm. And when he wakes up in the morning, he discovers that Catherine is gone and so are Sarah and Jacob. Mm. After a few hours, um, she comes home without any of the kids. And when he asks her where they are, she says that uh, she put enrolled them in a new daycare and that they're at the daycare. And this is when he gets pretty nervous. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay, let's just get in the car and go see him at daycare. Go see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. So they get in the car, start driving around. Catherine gets very, very upset. He's acting mm. really strange. Can't direct him to any said daycare. She asks to stop to get a drink. She was on medication that made her very thirsty. So they go in a fast food restaurant, get a drink. As they're going back out to the car, she says she wants to go out, go refill her cup. She goes back in. And she doesn't come back out. Oh. So he goes in looking for her and she had run away. She was missing for about four days. And someone found her just kind of wandering around the street. Oh, boy. Not not well. Not in a good Uh state at all. So when she disappeared from the fast food restaurant, Troy went to the police and reported this. This happened in Maryland. Mm-hmm. reported to the police what was happening. And the police, of course, start searching for Catherine yeah. and for the two kids. Well, someone recognizes Catherine about four days later, um, wander- just wandering the streets randomly because her face has been all over the news because they're looking yeah. for her and her kids, right? So they get a hold of Catherine and they bring her in. And she tells them that she's left her children with a friend. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of different stories here, none of which match up at all she actually even gave mm-hmm. the police the name of the friend wasn't true so then mm-hmm. she said that she had left them at the park eventually they actually go to the park mm-hmm. and take her there no kids yeah so Catherine was charged with several misdemeanors um abduction child endangerment, that kind of thing. The things that we see happen, like in the Lori Vallow case, right. You know, in some of the other missing children's cases we've seen where the state will immediately, or the, the prosecutor's office will immediately charge them with whatever they can to get mm-hmm. them in jail. Yeah. So they can hold them and, and try to figure mm-hmm. out what's happened. So huge searches go on for these kids. They don't find anything. Nothing. Oh boy. These kids have literally just disappeared off the planet. So Catherine is found to be incompetent to stand trial, but restorable. And if you'll recall, if you follow us with the Lori Vallow Daybell situation, this is what happened to her as well. Mm-hmm. Found Being found competent, but restorable means that this person has a psychiatric problem. They need to go into a hospital and like Katie always says, get spiffed uh-huh. up and then they can come back out and, and uh-huh. go to trial. So she goes into a psychiatric facility. She's in there for two years. Mm. And in all of this time, she does not say 
anything about where her kids are, what's happened to them. Um, for a while, you know, she kind of convinced some of the people in her family that she had just left them with a friend and they're safe and they're fine. It sounds a lot like the Lori Vallow story. Right. A lot of this is sounding Lori Vallow-esque. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but the problem is she's told a lot of different stories. Mm -hmm. Like every person that talks to her, they get a different story. None of the stories pan out. The kids are still missing. They've never found their bodies. Nothing. So in 2017, they decide they need to charge her with a bigger charge because so in Maryland, they have some laws about how long you can be held and considered incompetent for a trial. Like they Um, don't, they're not allowed to just hold them forever. uh So on misdemeanors, the maximum they can be held is three years. And then the charges have to be dropped until they can, you know, Uh figure something out. So in order to prevent that in 2017, uh, the prosecutor's office charged her with murder of both of the kids because at this point they were two and three. They've been missing for two years now, three years almost. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, they're, you know, we're not, we, we are not finding these kids and they're, they're, they're not alive. Their yeah. dad absolutely believes that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so they charge her. Well, they kind of do. I mean, she's got charges but she can't even be arraigned because mm. she's not competent, right? Yeah. So now when she's charged with felonies, they can hold her for five years. Well, that was last year. Oh, boy. So they have, a, I think <clears throat> they must have gotten an extension because it's not quite, the timeline doesn't match up exactly. But basically, mm-hmm. the um, they have until... December of 2022 to find her competent to stand trial. And if not, they have to drop her charges. Oh my God. So this has been in the news quite recently because Mm -hmm. uh, she's been evaluated every time the evaluators come back and they say incompetent to stand trial and a danger to the community. She's been evaluated by several different medical teams now. Mm -hmm. Um, because they keep wondering, like, is anything, you know, but right. but you have to understand that schizophrenia is not always treatable. Right. Some people do not respond to any of the medication, any of the antipsychotics. Mm-hmm. They're, they're weird meds and they, some people metabolize them really quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people just do not have um, an illness that can be treated. And yeah. that is the implication being made about Catherine Hogel right now. Oh, so boy. the judge this week or, the, or last week put out a statement and said, he's a new judge on the case. And he said, he's, he cannot rule on this right now. He's not ready. He doesn't have nearly enough information mm-hmm. because the recommendations come from the mental health professionals treating her. Sure. But it's ultimately up to the judge. If, with what he's been given, if she's uh-huh. competent or not. Now there are people who swear she's competent, who swear she's faking. We've heard all this about Lori Vallow too. Uh-huh. Um, no, she's not. She's been in a psychiatric facility for seven years. You guys. Yeah. You and think she's been, been medicated to, to the, the whole teeth. time. Yeah. Yeah. No. no, you, you cannot maintain something like that for no. long periods of time in a 24 hour uh, hospital. It's just, no, she's clearly yeah. very seriously mentally ill. 
So there's a hearing now in October for mm-hmm. them to determine what they're going to do. Because see, oh, here's, there's so many worries here. One is that she's never going to be able to tell them where the kids are, what's happened to them. And that mm-hmm. is my concern. Oh, that's a very real fear at this point. I think she knows. Mm-mm. I don't think that she consciously knows. She was clearly in an altered state when all of this went down. And I, I got to say that my concern is that she doesn't even actually know what mm-hmm. she did or where the kids are. Yeah. Because she was actively psychotic at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that you have to understand about schizophrenia is schizophrenics have memory that's like Swiss cheese. Yeah. And if they're psychotic when something happens, they may not ever remember they did it. Mm-hmm. The other concern is that she will be released. Yeah. There are concerns about the safety of her ex-husband and there are concerns about the safety of her son mm-hmm. that she may actually come after them. And from what I've read, of course, you know, a lot of this is protected under HIPAA. And so we don't know exactly sure. what the evaluations say, but in some of the things I have read, it indicates that she has said that she would harm her mm-hmm. ex-husband, possibly her son. Mm-hmm. So what happens if they drop these criminal charges, they can still come back and bring them against her again. This isn't the end of the road, but what it means is that mm-hmm. she's not being held in as an incompetent criminal who's trying to be charged. It goes from not from out from the criminal justice system to a civil issue. Mm-hmm. So then she would have to be evaluated and determine if she still needs to be held in a hospital. Now, the fact that her children are missing and that she can't seem to tell anyone what's happened to them in all this time, it you know, that would be a huge concern, certainly, mm-hmm. for the evaluators who determine whether she needs to be involuntarily committed civilly. Yeah. The problem is that um, she has a lot more rights mm-hmm. civilly and her ex-husband and her mother both say that she has managed to beat civil commitments in the past. Mm. Uh, She's quite intelligent and Mm -hmm. she knows the system. Mm -hmm. And so her ex-husband particularly is terrified that she would be released from the hospital with no, no timeline whatsoever around when they could actually charge her. Oh boy. It's an what ugly, a ugly situation. Yeah. Um, really and so scary we'll see. situation. It is. We'll see what the judge does. But ultimately, it's state law. Mm-hmm. Her, her ex-husband, Troy, has actually lobbied the Maryland legislature to try to change the law. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that they should change it from five years uh, to ten years. That they could yeah. hold somebody incompetent for, you know, up to ten years mm-hmm. rather than five but no one's, nothing's gone, you know, that hasn't gone anywhere. So, yeah. I mean, bottom line, unless they can prove that she is magically somehow now competent, they did have her reevaluated. No one is saying she's competent and everyone is saying she is a risk to the community. Yeah. So this is a huge, it's a huge, huge, scary situation, really. Yeah, it is. Um, Yikes. Because the civil system, I mean, hopefully they will find a way to hold her. 
-hmm. they don't have nearly as much power as the criminal system does Yeah, in situations like this. She's got to be a current risk to herself and others. You you know, I mean, she's not convicted of anything. If they drop these charges, she's also not charged with anything. Mm -hmm. It's all very scary. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on with this case right now. We'll see more coming up. Mm-hmm. But that is my concern is that she actually doesn't know what happened yeah. to her children, mm-hmm. where they are, what she did. I, she doesn't man, know. She managed to conceal both of them. Whatever she did do, she Kinda? managed to conceal both of them. No one has ever, I mean, Never what the that. hell did she do? Right. Some people have believed that she gave the kids away, that she gave the kids to someone. But would, you know, with her charged and these kids being looked for and, you know, it's all over the news in Maryland, this doesn't really track that somebody would, I mean, they were two and three and they, this, this happened in 2014. I mean, look at how much they would have grown by now. It it doesn't track. No. But none of it, I don't know. None of it makes very much sense. It is very, it's really concerning that her parents let this stuff happen. Yeah, it is. It's also concerning that dad didn't check when he got home from work. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to blame him because he's going through a lot, mm-hmm. but that is a concern. You know, everybody said they were so sure she wasn't safe with the kids. And then all the people that were meant to protect the kids dropped the ball that day. Yeah. But, so um, she that's shouldn't have been with the kids at all. Apparently, probably not. Probably not. Um, so this this is what we know. So, wow. I mean, unless they can find her competent and get her trial started by December of this year, she's going to have her charges dropped. Yeah. And then we'll see what the civil system does to try to hang on to her. Yep. She's been hospitalized for seven years. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's It's super scary. And, you know, uh, like Troy, the dad has said, you know, I don't have any, you know, I don't care how we find the kids or what condition they are when we bring them home. We just want to bring them home. Yeah. Because he knows it's, this has been way too long. There's no way that they're still living. No. Well, how sad. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. And it's, uh, these situations are very challenging because, Um, you know, the family has said it feels like Catherine has more rights than Jacob and Sarah at Mm -hmm. this point, which is kind of true. But when you start messing with, you know, laws around commitments and mental health and that kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of protections for her personally. And and there have to be, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, if she's found competent to stand trial when she really isn't. Mm They're going to end up with the same result eventually. Yeah. Which may be that she doesn't sit in a hospital for the rest of her life. Yeah. So we're going to keep an eye on it. Thank you for the suggestion. And yeah, um, yeah it's an interesting and sad case. Yeah. I'm just going to show this is a picture of Catherine uh, with, with her children. And that's about the age that they were when they disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a sad deal. It is. And it's it's one of those that's very challenging. What What does the criminal justice system do in a situation like this? 
Yeah. You know, and the police feel like they have exhausted every, everything that they've had. They yeah. used her cell phone pings. They did these huge searches. Yeah. And have found absolutely nothing. Mm. There are no witnesses. There's no evidence. There's nothing. Yeah. These kids just vanished into thin air. So we shall see what comes uh, going forward. I I don't even know. But, yeah. but my biggest fear is honestly that she doesn't know where the kids are. She doesn't know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. The reason she won't answer that question is because she doesn't actually know. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect like that's true. Like that, you know. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. And that's the, that's the saddest part. Yeah. That they may never find these babies. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So we will uh, continue to keep an eye on this case and let you know as we see updates. Mm-hmm. And Katie, I'm going to turn the time over to you for some WTF news. Okay. We've been hearing for a while now that Lake Mead in Nevada is rapidly drying up. Yes. And uh, receding and uh, turning out all kinds of uh, interesting things, but it just keeps coughing up more bodies. So, and another body has been found. So this is a picture of a barrel that was found back in May with a body in it from the police think the late 70s, early 80s, a gunshot victim. Mm-hmm. But there are more. So it's becoming a really interesting situation. And there has been a lot of speculation that what we're really seeing is people that were murdered due to some of the uh, the gang activity or the mafia activity going on in Las Vegas at the time. Yeah. Wasn't it kind of known that that's yeah. where people murdered by the mafia would would uh, dump them. Yeah. So, so the thanks. lake surface has dropped 170 feet since 1983. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. So you consider that happening and, you know, bodies that had been dumped there at some point, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a wild thought, you know, to think of what could be happening here. So, anyway, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about the bodies that were found. So, on May 1st, they found a barrel, of course, with gunshot wounds and things. And then, a week later, they found human skeletal remains at Calville Bay. More recently, more human remains at Boulder Beach. And then, some more this weekend that have got them really wondering exactly... How many bodies are in Lake Mead? Right. They've already found four. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Four in the last four months. As the water keeps receding, more bodies keep turning up. So we're keeping an eye on it because it's very interesting. Uh, It's also possible that they will be able to, you know, take some DNA. Hopefully there's enough from, you know, what they're finding to be able to eventually, you know, figure out who these people are. And at least give their loved ones some kind of a closure because it's likely that they've all been missing from, again, like the 70s and 80s. And 
these are very old cold cases likely that have been silent for a long time. So anyway, interesting stuff happening there. Yeah, that is. And it'll be very interesting if they can close some cold cases. Yeah. I, I would hope that they can. I mean, mm-hmm. do they, can they tell, I mean, are these all people who were murdered or do they know? They don't know. They don't know. Uh, at least not that there could saying, be drownings but, too. It's true. They could be drownings too. Yeah. But uh, I mean, the one in the barrel, they were there. They were able to say that that was a gunshot wound, but the others, mm-hmm. they don't, they haven't said, but anyway, I think it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, that is that it really is. And yeah, that is a, where they've already found four. What does that mean? Right. How many more will will there be? That is an interesting question. Mm -hmm, For sure. Wow. All right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So this is our Monday episode. We will be back on Tuesday and Wednesday with more live, no, with more updates and cases. (laughs) And on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain, we will be back with our live stream case updates show. So you want to stay tuned. We've got lots of great content coming this week. And as always, please like, subscribe, share, comment, and go check us out on Patreon. We are the true, we are true crime squad on Patreon. And when you come become a patron over there, you help to support the financial side of what we do here to make these podcasts possible. And for that, you do get extra bonus content every month. You also get the psychic hour. So we are giving that uh, to our patrons as well Mm -hmm. as if you join our subscription on YouTube, you can also get the psychic hour and uh, our monthly cold read party where you bring us old cold cases and we'll read them and tell you what we think happened. So Mm -hmm. there's lots of great stuff, lots of places to get more involved with us and get more content. So check that out. And you know it, we are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here. Take care.